Well, I think there's some pressure on Dan Lanning in 2023, given how last year went. But how much exactly? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, like the video, subscribe to the channel, like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to this show on podcasts right now, free and available on all platforms. And it's Friday, and we are jam-packed, and we got a bunch of mailbag things to get to. Let's get right into it. This question from Nick P via the YouTube comments. He's an everydayer out there, and I appreciate all of you who listen to the show so, so often. YouTube comments, Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks to get your question answered here on the show. He asks, so I think this is relevant. Sports fans in general seem to have a short-sighted produce now attitude. I believe Lanning is amazing for Oregon. Having said that, in your opinion, are we going to be hearing calls for his job if there's no market improvement this year? I really hope not. So two different questions in there. First of all, I think there's pressure on Dan Lanning to improve at some level. I don't think it should rise to the level where if the season doesn't go as planned, you have conversations about pulling the plug. I think too many things have gone right to this point. I, I think Lanning has earned the 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 credibility with us as fans or the uh, the equity I think you could say to where if this season doesn't go as planned in a really tough Pac-12 let's say Oregon goes eight and four if Oregon goes eight and four in the regular season that'd be a disappointing regular season right which is the standard I think Oregon is set where eight and four is not a great regular season not terrible because we've seen what truly terrible looks like 2016 four and eight like that was I, I think the bottom right that's the absolute low floor but a 10-win season in 2022 that's no small thing even for a first-year head coach who's taking over a, a a program that that won 10 games the year prior it doesn't always work out that well so I think there has been some credibility established for landing at this point in time and I think if this year doesn't go to plan look you have to know what the context is why didn't it go to plan did Bo Nix get injured and then Oregon fell back and went seven and five because you had some combination of Ty Thompson and Austin Nova's had starting, like that's different, right? Not every record is, is created the same and you are not always what your record says you are in college football anyway. But I, I do feel like with Oregon fans, you might see some people, you know, throw out the idea of, Oh, Lanning's not the guy we need to move on. We need to do this. Doesn't mean that it's right because I, I don't think that it would be. Now I do think there is some pressure on landing in year two, to make some improvements, right? In year one, even in the transfer portal era, I don't think you can put an immense amount of pressure on a coach and say, we expect you to do this. We expect you to win at a really high level and you got to turn it around and right the ship. And that sort of stuff still takes time in the college game, in the pro game, high school level, wherever you want to talk about that sort of stuff still takes time. But Given that we are in the portal era and this is year two and there's been a recruiting class and a transfer portal class that has now come through, you've had a full off season, you've had a season, you've, you know, if you're landing, made mistakes as a head coach, hopefully learning from those and, you know, improving, working to get better and whatnot. 
I do think there's some pressure in some areas where you'd like to see growth or else questions and the intensity of them will ratchet up going into year three. But I, I don't think unless Oregon somehow, and no one's expecting this right, but let's just say hypothetically, Oregon wins two games this year. That is the only scenario where, you know, if it's like a two, three, four win season somehow, then you would look and say, okay, what are we doing? But barring that, no, I, I don't think there's that level of pressure. But I do think that for a guy who's earning his chops as a head coach here with us in Eugene, he's got to show that things can improve from year one to year two, because that's a big part of coaching. Players need to get better. Schemes got to get better. Results have got to get better as well. So I, I think when you look at what Oregon needs to improve upon defensively. And I'm going to touch on uh, another question one of you sent me in a moment. I do think you need to see defensive improvement this year, or I don't know that the pressure will come in on Lanning. The, the pressure might come in on Dan Lanning to make a change of the defensive coordinator slot. But they did bring in Chris Hampton this year, who's the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach, replacing Matt Pallage, who went to be the DC at Baylor. So he and Tosh Lupoy are in there as the co-defensive coordinators right now. My understanding, based on what we saw last year, is that Lupoy is the primary play caller, but Lanning is involved defensively. Don't know if he you know, took over play calling at any point in time last year. There were moments where it seemed like he was more involved, but at the end of the day, I think that's where the pressure could ratchet up is, do you need, do you need to make a change at defensive coordinator if the defense does not improve because you've had an offseason to go get guys who you feel like fit your scheme and are high caliber players and you are now giving a lot of returning guys who have talent year two in the system are you able to coach them to a level to where they play and perform better than they did in 2022 that's a huge element of of coaching and some of that is on the players for sure but the coaches have to be able to bring that out of them that's what coaching is right so if there's no defensive improvement, I don't think you ask questions about landing in general. I think you ask questions about whether or not he needs to make a decision on the defensive coordinator front, which is at some level asking a question of Dan Lanning, the head coach, because part of being a head coach, we all just think of it in, you know, you got to recruit and you got to have, uh, you know, schematic capabilities, right? There's a lot more that goes into being a head coach and making the appropriate hires is a part of that. One of the reasons Nick Saban is a great head coach is because his lineup of offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators has changed over and over again, but he's able to make the right hires. You got to be able to know the right people. You got to know who's going to fit your scheme, who's going to fit your recruiting message, who's going to fit into your university, all that sort of stuff. Those are elements of being a head coach as well. So I, I think if you're Oregon going into this year, the, the pressure on landing is you got to have some defensive improvement or else questions need to be asked. And yeah, you probably need to win at least nine games to avoid those sorts of questions. I don't know that I would be asking, asking them at that point in time, but could you see people like if Oregon goes nine and three again and in the regular season and misses the Pac-12 championship game again, you'll probably have some fans who say, no, this is the standard. We should be there every year. Ignore, you know, whatever happened in games or ignore what uh, the rest of the conference is doing, which is, I mean, the conference is stacked. The conference is absolutely loaded, which is another reason I think it's a pretty reasonable and attainable goal to say that Oregon football needs to be in the Pac-12 championship game in 2023, but it's not do or die for Dan Lanning and the rest of the staff if they don't get there. So I hope that kind of answers your question there. Uh, 
before we get to a, a schematic question for the defensive side of the ball, I saw this quote yesterday from Carlos Lachlan, and I got to tell you, fired me up. This guy's been such a home run hire, talking about Dan Lanning, making those sorts of hires. Part of being a head coach, hiring the right coaches. Carlos Lachlan, boy, does that look like a good hire. This guy has brought in Bucky Irving stud, Noah Whittington stud, recruited Jordan James and Dante Dowdell and Jaden Lamar, and you just go up and down the list there. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. Here was his quote from yesterday after, uh, after practice. Quote, if you're a soft-batched cookie, you got to get away from around me, and they got a bakery for that. Guess what it's called? The transfer portal. End quote. Just going to let that marinate for a second. For all the people out there who get frustrated with the portal and kids who jump ship too early, I feel that way sometimes as well. That quote's got to make you smile. It really, really does. And when you bite into a built bar, that makes you smile too. They got a new flavor coming tomorrow, April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet. The excitement is real, though, and it's something you don't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world. They do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors and limited quantity. So mark your calendars. Head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. Make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off your order at Built.com. All right, next question here. This one came in from John. Question, do you expect Lanning to significantly innovate on the defensive side of the ball? His defensive pedigree is the Saban-Smart lineage, but Smart made significant adjustments to Saban's defense when he went to Georgia. Will Lanning do the same at Oregon? Considering Lanning is facing some of the best offensive minds in college football and some of the best quarterbacks too, I would think he's looking to bring something a bit different to Oregon and to do that will take some some significant time to get up and running. So what you touched on there at the end, John, I, I think is kind of the important part here. Take some time to get up and running. We've had questions come through here on the show before, and I think very fairly about Lanning and, and the staff getting their guys into the system. Here in year two, there's been sufficient roster turnover to where there, there's no more, ah, there's too many holdovers from the previous staff that don't fit their scheme. no. You brought players in from the portal. You've recruited them from the high school levels. You have guys who are talented from the previous roster who can fit into the scheme if they're, you, you know, coached correctly and whatnot and are given the opportunity to succeed to where you don't have that as, as an excuse anymore. But in terms of the innovation on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, first of all, Landing is running the same, the same defense, the same sorts of concepts. You know, he's running a base 4 2 5 personnel right five dbs on the field he runs a lot of simulated pressures he blitzes his linebackers a lot he he does a lot of stunting he does a lot of delayed blitzes and you know kind of show pressures where you know a linebacker will will kind of blitz up to the line of scrimmage he'll engage in, with an offensive lineman and back off just to create you know an advantage on the other side he did all that stuff at georgia and he's done that stuff at oregon as well what I think is going to take place for Lanning this year, I expect the defense to look the same because it's what Dan Lanning knows and it's what Taj Lupoy and, and Dan Lanning have worked together on. And Chris Hampton is now involved in that as well, right? They're determining how to best use the personnel 
within the confines of their defensive scheme and how they call plays and what their philosophy is and all that sort of stuff. But I don't think there's going to be tremendous innovation there. There may be, you know, little tweaks where Lanning has always wanted to do something this way, but Kirby Smart had him doing it that way and whatnot. And we're not privy to all of those specific details, but I'm sure they exist at some level. But fundamentally, it's the same system. It's the same philosophy, mindset, whatever you want to call it, coming over from from Georgia. And though things did not go well defensively for the most part in 2022, I don't expect there to be big changes on that front, right? Lanning has spent years and years going back to his time as a GA at, at Bama, at Pitt and a linebackers coach at Memphis and DC at Georgia, like just, you know, go down the list of all the jobs he's had, what you're accumulating during that time as a coach. And I talk to division one coaches about this stuff all the time. They're accumulating information and they pull bits and pieces of things they like from this coach and that coach. I was talking to a guy yesterday who, or I guess the day before when you're listening to this or watching, but I was talking to someone who is an aspiring Division One basketball coach. He's a special assistant on, on on a Division One staff, and I was asking him, you know, kind of where he gets his coaching philosophy from. Like, he wants to be a head coach one day. He's in his you know mid to late twenties or so, and he's a ways away from from being a head coach, of course, because typically they're they're much older when when they get hired because you need that sort of experience. But you know, Dan Lang talked about for having coaching context a rolodex of information. And this guy kind of told me the same thing. He's like, well, you know, I love watching Jay Wright. And I think his teams do a lot of things that I really like and I really believe in. And the coach I worked I, I worked under over here, I learned a number of things there. And the coach I worked under here, I, I learned a number of things there. Lanning's got the same sorts of experiences, right? He's been at uh, Arizona State, I think, at one point in time. He was at Pitt. He was at Alabama. He was at Memphis. He was at Georgia, right? So he has seen and been a part of coaches meetings and discussions and talking with people and sports is a very small interconnected world on, on the professional side of things. He has accumulated all that information and, and determined, you know, based on how it was taught to him from other coaches and other staffs uh, or on previous staffs, rather. I like this. I like that. Do this, do that. I like this concept, right? So all that comes together to, to formulate his defensive philosophy. And I don't expect that to change because he's not going to just because one season didn't go as plan, make radical alterations. Oregon's not going to come out and run a three, four in, in 2023 this fall. Like that, that, that is not going to happen because Lanning knows what he knows. And a great example of just because, you know, it wasn't exactly how we were hoping it would be or how it, I, I think it should have been in, in many ways in 2022 doesn't mean it can't succeed another time. Perfect example. One of my personally, one of my best all time sports talk radio takes was one I gave in college. And it was after Tony Bennett's Virginia team lost to University of Maryland, Baltimore County, the Golden Retrievers. You know, they were the first ever 16 seed to beat a one. They beat them by 20. And Virginia's offense stalled because they were a defensively led team. And the guy whose radio show I was on at the campus radio station asked me, you know, does Tony Bennett need to really look at how he coaches and, you know, figure out a different way so that he can be more explosive offensively and whatnot? And my immediate answer was no. And I actually referred to Chip Kelly because 
you know what you know, and you are as close to being a master of that philosophy, that mindset, that approach as you can be trying something else and trying to be something that you are not just because it didn't work once is not a justification. I, I think that that resonates with a lot of coaches. And by the way, Virginia was the same sort of team. They had the same philosophy. They came back the next year and won the national championship. So I'm not saying Oregon's going to do that, but I am saying that I don't expect Lanning to look at last year and say, okay, we need to completely rethink everything and just throw out all the information, all the experience I've ever had and everything Nick Saban taught me, everything Kirby Smart taught me and just, you know, just, just completely rework it. That's not going to happen. They'll make tweaks and adjustments, but fundamentally, I, I think it's uh, it, it's probably going to stay the same. But good question there, John. Uh, okay, another one. Uh, this one from Blazer Duck, my guy. Spencer, a lot of people seem to be concerned. This was a little bit older of a question, but it's relevant now. You'll see why. A lot of people seem to be concerned about our scholarship numbers. Here we are again. Last I heard, we were around 91. We need to be at 85 by the beginning or end of fall. Can't remember. Anyways, with the portal opening up, if I'm Dan Lanning, I'm going to stay aggressive and go after anyone and everyone who I believe will make the team better, regardless of position and scholarship numbers. Why would you not go after someone you feel would make the team better and hold on to someone who you don't believe in or feel won't elevate the team? The scholarship numbers will all work themselves out as players see the writing on the wall and understand they won't see the field much. What say you? I completely agree with you. And I think this is pretty clearly Oregon's mindset. I talked about the transfers on, what was that, Wednesday's show? Yeah, yesterday. I don't know. It's all blending together. Either yesterday or the day before that particular show, I looked at the top transfer targets for the Ducks, right? Savelle Smalls, an edge coming from Washington, former five-star, could be in there. You've got Varquise Gums, the freshman All-American tight end from North Texas, is in there. An offensive guard from Wyoming, Gary Bryant, the receiver from USC, and then uh, Bear Alexander, potentially, though he was visiting USC uh, this weekend, or is, I, I guess I should say. Those coming from Georgia, those are the names that I think Oregon uh, are either hottest in pursuit of or should be at, at this point in time. And I agree with you that if you're landing, yeah, you, you'd love to keep some guys around. You know, I would have liked to have kept Jaleel Tucker around because a guy with that sort of speed has got tremendous upside. But that's why in this era, especially, you have to keep recruiting talented kids at every position, right? You lose Jaleel Tucker. But you add Roderick Pleasant, who brings a lot of the same sorts of traits, right? Track guy, little bit smaller of a corner, could be a special teams impact player, could be a factor in the return game, also has some real upside at the cornerback position. That's just kind of the world that, that you're in now. And the numbers are going to work themselves out because like Keith Brown, you're going to see guys are going to see the writing on the wall and realize, OK, I'm not going to play over him. Don't know that I could play over him either. And, uh, you know, frankly, my, my interest might be best served elsewhere. I think that's what ultimately happened with Keith Brown. I'm wildly intrigued to see, you know, which linebackers kind of shine at the spring game next week to give us an inclination of who did Keith Brown look at and say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to play over that guy. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm with you. The numbers are going to work themselves out. Perfect example. Most recent reports are uh, that, and then this is true, by the way, I, I phrased that in a way that made it sound speculative. It is not. Trajan Williams is no longer with the football team. 
he's he's left the program, which brings the scholarship number down to 87. Now he was a four-star safety out of Jefferson High School in uh, the 2021 class. He was a redshirt freshman entering this year, and again, this is exactly what we're talking about. He's now the fourth player to enter the portal in this spring window for the Ducks. And this is what will happen, right? If you bring in, let, let's say, for instance, you know, and I'm, this is why I'm not worried about the scholarship thing at, at all. Like they've, they've got an entire staff. They've got an entire recruiting staff, player personnel, coaching staff. Like they're, they're very much on top of this stuff. They have an idea of where guys stand. And, you know, guys are not going to always hang around. And sometimes like Keith Brown or Jalil Tucker, you have some really talented players leave. But other times it'll be guys like Trevin Mai who played pretty regularly for the Ducks last several years, but it's just kind of a guy. He's just a, a, a solid, decent, you know, uh, power five rotation player, probably a G5 starter. Guys like that will, will see someone come in at their position group and go, well, they clearly don't value me here. That could be the message the coaching staff is trying to send, or I don't want to compete for this spot and I want to go transfer elsewhere that will all work itself out. And I think if you're Dan Lanning and the staff, you absolutely look at it that way. You absolutely approach this from a standpoint of, we want to put the best team on the field possible in 2023. Full stop. This is a year-to-year endeavor. I, I would love to keep as many, on a personal level, as many talented high school recruits around as possible because it does give you an element of, of unknown going forward. But with, with the portal and the way Oregon recruits high school kids and has for the last several years – I don't have too many concerns uh, about that stuff. So I, I think it'll all work itself out. And, and that scholarship number is now down to 87. Uh, we'll see if Oregon does add one of those transfers. I, I think Varkey's gums, as I said, the tight end from North Texas should be top of their list given the positional need, but they could add some other guys a, a, as well. And, and look, you, you look at how many names, you know, Keanu Williams transferred out of the defensive line room and he's going to uh, UCLA. Let's just say it's not totally expected right now. They went out and added Bear Alexander, the Georgia defensive lineman transfer, who was a top 50 player in the 2022 class, had a couple sacks in the national championship game. If you add him to the defensive line room, that bumps someone down the depth chart and will probably lead to him transferring out. Who that would be, anybody's guess, except it's not Brandon Dorless, probably not Casey Rogers either, but one of the guys who, who who's you know, lower on the depth chart there, I might look around and say, well, wait a minute. I want to go, I want to play football. I, I don't want to just watch on the sideline this year. And there are guys who are there that would get pushed down the depth chart that are not going to play if somebody comes into that room. So I, I, I think that's all uh, g- going to work itself out as, as I said. Um, all right, wrap up with some basketball talk here. So Quincy Garrier, for those of you who don't know, spent the last couple of years at Oregon after uh, some time at Syracuse. He's in the transfer portal as a graduate transfer, gave two years to the Ducks, scores a lot of points, put up some threes, hit a decent amount of them, always played hard. I like Quincy Garrier, and you, you know there's a void with his absence now, but I wouldn't say it's one that's impossible to fill. And I, I'm curious to see where Oregon goes here because you know I talked a while back about uh, they might add a guard from Arizona State, uh, Devin Cambridge, who is visiting, or Kirk Creesa from Arizona could be a fit. But as you look at where the roster stands right now, they need wing and front court players. Because as of now, 
the 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 rotation for next year of guys who are scholarship players who could see the floor and make contributions for Dana Altman's team. The the guards, you've got Jermaine Kuznard and Keyshawn Bartholomew, both of them back. Great. I know what I'm getting from those guys. Bartholomew, ideal guy off the bench. Kuznard, a great two. Maybe Shellstad's ready to be a one. Maybe, st- I don't know, but probably some combination of those three. But Jackson Shellstad is in there too. Jadrian Tracy, who is, you know, guard, wing, sort of a hybrid player there. Junior college transfer, good three-point shooter and a good athlete too. And then Brennan Rigsby, I believe, is still on the roster as well at this point in time, battled uh, an, an injury last year. But you look at the guards and all of a sudden you have quite a few of them. And you compare it to the front court, and I suspect that the next transfer Oregon basketball ads will at the very least be a wing but might be a front court player because Mookie Cook is coming in as a shooting guard slash small forward. He's six foot five as a five-star true freshman. Oregon finished with the number six men's basketball recruiting class in the 2023 cycle, by the way. Though Bronny James is still hanging out there. Uh, at least last time I checked. Let me make uh, make sense. I got PTSD because I recorded that show. Um, <laughs> and I I just had overlooked that uh, Gary had put his name in the portal. But you were all chill about it because you're all awesome and I appreciate you so very much. But yeah, Bronny James is still hanging out there. A guy they could they could add to that room. I think if he did, Rigsby would probably be a guy to, to transfer out. But the wings and forwards right now, because you don't have Quincy Garrier, you don't have Luke War, and you don't have Khalil Ware either. You, you've got Mookie Cook and KJ Evans, your five-star freshman coming in. You've got Enfali Dante and Nate Biddle in the center, and that's it right now. So I'm I'm looking at you know all the different names in the portal. I'm sure I could evaluate candidates ad nauseum here on the show from now until the end of time, but. I think I expect Oregon to add at least one more transfer, maybe two, especially given the injuries they had this year, which were crazy. But I don't know that they're going to be on the market for another guard here because I just look at the numbers and say, unless I'm forgetting somebody, which I'm pretty darn sure I'm not, you've got two centers and two, maybe three wings. That That's just not a lot of front court and, and, and wing depth. So, I think that's where they're probably going to look. There are a lot of names in the portal. I'm sure they could find a talented guy to come in and fill the void left by Garrier there, preferably someone that they need a three and D guy. They, I don't know if any of you watched game of zones back in the day. Tremendous, by the way. It's oh my gosh, I miss Game of Zones. But there's this thing that Bleacher Report used to do to just uh, make spoofs about NBA storylines. And one of the best ones is a uh, a trade between the Raptors and the Magic. And Kyle Lowry is offering up Terrence Ross. Um, and the Magic asked Kyle Lowry, "Well, what does he do?" And he goes, "He's like." An older Norman, meaning an older Norman Powell. And then they asked Terrence Ross, Terrence, what can you do? And he says, well, I'm a pretty good three and D player. Though people say I'm inconsistent, so maybe I'm not. And then Kyle Lowry whispers to him, no, 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 you are. I am a good three and D player. So that's what Oregon needs here. 
Like that, that's kind of what Quincy Garrier became as his role evolved and he got moved to the bench uh, as Dane Alton was trying to find that right formula. And I really liked him off the bench. He was a high energy guy, got good size, could hit shots. But that, that's really what Oregon needs here is a three and D player uh, <laughs> to, to fill the void there. And, and I think another name in the front court could do them some good, you know, unless KJ Evans is ready to just pop and make it happen right away as a true freshman, which he could be. I mean, those are those are two big time recruits, Mookie Cook and KJ Evans. And I, I think in addition to and Folly Dante and Nate Biddle, you'd probably like to have another, you know, they're big kind of another four. But that depends on what uh, they, they feel like the rotation is uh, is going to be uh, quite. We're going to end today's show with the most random question from Eric, <laughs> uh, who is an everydayer as well. Listens to the show on a very regular basis. Appreciate all of you who do that or who tune in at all. Spencer, question for the pod. What kind of lip balm, chapstick, do you use? I am a CarMax man who is willing to go to war versus my opponents. Nobody's paying me to say this. Now, I, I will offer it. This is Blistex, by the way. I realize that's, that's hard, hard to read as I was showing that on uh, YouTube. But as I say that, I realize my lips are very chapped. Um, you may notice my lips get extremely chapped all the time. When I want a stick of chapstick, Blistex. But when I want the gel, Carmax. Carmax. That is the honest. That is that is the honest answer there. Nobody paid me to say that, but Eric asked the question. You can always ask him. You go to YouTube, Twitter at Smalls underscore fifty five or at Locked On Ducks. Get in the mailbag. There's a bunch of great questions in there. Spring game next weekend. Holy smokes! Time flies when you're having fun. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and a great weekend. And until next time, go Ducks.